In this week's Torah portion, we talk about the obligation to build a Mishkan. Now, it's interesting is that the Rambam codifies this obligation both in his Yad HaChazaka, in, in the regular Rambam, and also in Sefer HaMitzvah. So in Sefer HaMitzvah, in, in, in his work, where he counts the 613 mitzvahs, he includes the mitzvah to build a Mishkan, to build a Mikdash, that's mitzvah number 20. What's interesting is that in Sefer HaMitzvah, he writes a very interesting uh, description of this mitzvah. He writes like this, We have an obligation to build a house of worship, a Beis Avodah. What's interesting is that Beis Avodah is actually not the way the Beis HaMikdash is usually referred to in both Rambam and Talmud and other places. Generally, it's referred to as Beis Habachira, the house of choice, the house of freedom. Yet the Rambam over here is calling it Beis Avodah, and it'll become very clear why in a second. Inside this building, inside the distinguished building, should be the sacrifices and the burning of the fire. Thank you, Amy. And uh, to this building should be the Ha'alicha Levaliyah where the Jews make a pilgrimage, should be to this space. And that's where they collect. And this is what it says in the Torah, Asuli Mikdash. And make me a Mikdash. And that's the verse we have in our, in our Parsha this week. The, uh, the Asuli Mikdash, make for me a uh, Mikdash, Veshachanti Besocho, and I will dwell amongst it. So the Rambam writes that this is a positive obligation for us to build a Beis HaMikdash. What does the Beis HaMikdash have to include? What are the essential ingredients? A place to bring sacrifices and a place to be able to do Aliyah Lorego. To be able to do a pilgrimage three times a year. These are the essential ingredients of a Beis HaMikdash and this is what we are obligated to build. The Rambam. That was, that was a misquote, Rabbi. It's Vishachanti Betocham, not Betocho. Very good, exactly, David. Yes. Yes, that is a, a very nice Dvar Torah, why it's plural instead of singular. Right, that's a very good point. Thank you for, for pointing that out. So the Rambam continues and he brings from the Safri that there are three mitzvahs that the Jews were commanded to do as soon as they entered the land. The first mitzvah is to. Uh, anoint for themselves, appoint for themselves a king, build a Beis HaBechira, build a Beis HaMikdash, and to wipe out Amalek, and to destroy Amalek. It's interesting that this week we have a very unusual combination. It is very rare that Parsha Shruma and Parsha Zachar fall out on the same week. It happens extremely rarely. But what's interesting is that on this week we have two out of the three mitzvahs that we are commanded to do once we get back to Israel and have our, and uh, eventually when Mashiach will come, two out of the three myths which I talked about this week. Both the obligation to wipe out the memory of Amalek, Timcha Ezecha Amalek, and also the obligation to, to uh, build a Mikdash. Rev Menachem Ziyamba, Hashem Yikom Damab, he was a very famous Gera rabbi, you know, one of the Gera Hasidim, he was killed in the Warsaw Ghetto. But the few works that we have from him, you know, Totsas, Chaim, on Shabbos, and other things, 
are exceptional and widely accepted in both the Hasidic and Lithuanian uh, communities. So he asked on this Rambam the following question. He says, if you look at the verses and you look at the entire Parshish Truma, there is no mention at all of the obligation of Aliyah Larega. There's no mention at all of the obligation to have a pilgrimage to, to, uh, to the Mishkan. In fact, it's given in later parshos and Ebmar and other places as a completely separate mitzvah. And why does the Rambam seemingly attach it to the core mitzvah of Binyan Beis Abachir? Why does the Rambam include in the building of the Beis Hamikdash in one of the essential aspects and core purpose of the, of the Beis Hamikdash is for it to be a place of Aliyah Larega? L'chaira, it would seem that this is a completely separate, a separate commandment. There's another question that the Rambam himself in Sefer HaMitzvah kind of alludes to, but doesn't ask explicitly, is that the Mizbeach, in fact, is commanded in a separate place as well. Over here in our parsha, as we spoke this morning, we have the discussion about the building of the copper Mizbeach, the Mizbeach HaNechoshes that was hollow. But in the end of Parshas Yisro, we talk about two other altars. One is Mizbeach HaDamat HaAsali, make for me an altar of earth. And then it says, V'im Mizbeach Avanim Tasali, and if you make for me an altar of stone. The, the Mechilta writes that normally when it says the word V'im, it's there to imply something voluntary. But there are three v'ims in the Torah that are not voluntary, but are in fact stating an obligation, and this is one of them. That Mizbeach Adama is something which is they can do, but they have an obligation when they can to build a to to build a stone Mizbeach. So it would seem that the mitzvah of building a Mizbeach, of having an altar, is also completely separate. From, from the building of the Beis HaMikdash. If so, why does the Rambam take two completely separate mitzvahs and stuff them into the core mitzvah of Asuli Mikdash Veshachanti Besocham that is commanded in this week's parsha? There's a very difficult Avistar of Nasan. The Avistar of Nasan writes, he's talking about the first Mishnah in the in, in, I forget which chapter, so in Avastar, I'm not in this chapter 11, but the Mishnah we have also in our Pirkei Avos, I forget where it is in Pirkei Avos, that it says, Shmaya ve'aftalion kiblu mehem, Shmaya, Shmaya ve'aftalion were the next link in the tradition, and what did they say? Shmaya Omer, Shmaya said, Ehovis ha'melacha, love work. Visneis ha'rabanas and hate the rabbinate. <laughs> So the, when, when the Avistar of Nasim talks about Ehovis HaMelacha, he brings a source, he says, where do we see that work is holy? Reptarfin Omar, so Reptarfin uh, Omar, Reptarfin said, God did not place his presence, his Shechina on the Jewish people. He did not kind of place himself among the Jewish people. Until they did work. 
שנאמר as it's written ועשו לי מקדש ושכנתי בסוכה. And make for me a tabernacle and I will dwell amongst you. To the office of Nassim is saying that somehow the idea, the reason behind the Asuli Mikdash Meshachanti Besocham is that through the Asiyah, through the building of the Mikdash, that was directly causative for what allowed Hashem to dwell amongst us. It wasn't simply the existence of the Mikdash, it was the fact that it was built through our Melacha, through our work. But what's not clear is that if you go through this Avastar Abnasin, it's not simply because they did holy work, they built the Mishka. The implication is that it has to do simply with mankind's or humankind's efforts. Melacha in general. And the Avastar Abnasin goes to say that if one has nothing to do and they have a uh, broken house or a field that hasn't been plowed, go do it. Any kind of constructive labor is valuable and important. Nothing to do with spirituality. And it is in this context that he quotes this idea of the Asuli Migdash V'Shachanti Besocha. What is the connection? What is holy? What is the relationship between work, generic work, and God coming and, and, and placing His presence amongst us? Additionally, we know that what is the source and what helps us understand what is considered to be melacha with regards to the laws of Shabbos are those melachot, those, those kind of aspects, those, those labors that were done to build the Mishkan. And as we know, and we talked about whenever we learned the laws of Shabbos, when we, you know, what we used to learn back in the good old days, the Mishnah Brewer after services, we were talking about the laws of writing, we were talking about, you know, other things, and we would always refer back to where was this found in the Mishkan. It is the work that was done in the Mishkan that is the cornerstone, is the definition, is the ideal of Melacha. So why is this? There's a very famous Medrash. And it's quoted in Tanya, and Tanya probably probably made it famous. Although the Tanya takes it further than what I think the Medrash itself is saying. But the Medrash writes that when Hashem created the world, God wanted to have a presence and to have a dira b'tachtonim. Hashem wanted to have a presence, a dwelling place in the lower areas. The Tanya understands this, from, from at least from what I understand. To not, to not simply mean in this world, but to mean even in the people who are kind of in the lowest areas of this world. But he wants dira betachtonim. Once Adam sinned by the eight sadas, once Adam you know, ate from the tree of knowledge, God separated and he kept separating throughout the various... Uh, you know, sins of human history until he was in the seventh heaven. And then the Medrash talks about how God makes it back until he reaches the point when he is when God was was again ready to make a dir betachtonim. And that's when he says, The Migdash represents the restoration of the state of the relationship between God and humanity that existed at the moment of creation, the ideal. The, according to this approach, while this may not be the approach of the Svarna and others, according to this approach, 
was God's statement, God's testament, that their relationship and what God's uh, desire was back at the place where it was in the beginning. We know that when Adam was kicked out of Gan Eden, the curse that Adam was given was Adam that a man will have to work for what he needs. And not just that, most of the work will be futile, will be difficult, it will be painful, and maximum effort will be required for minimal results. Back in the Garden of Eden, humanity did not have to work. They were given everything for free. The curse was that humanity has to work just to get basic things. Once the Jews reached the level to build the Mishkan, Hashem commanded them and said, you, you are not at the level of Adam Kaidamachet. You are not at the level of Adam before the sin. I see that you not having to work, not having to place effort, not having to dedicate yourself for the acquisition of spirituality is not a proper model. Therefore, the only way which you could achieve the proper state is by channeling the curse of Adam, the new reality of Adam, of Adam la'amal yulad in the proper way. And therefore it requires uh, milacha, work, but milacha in the right way. We know that Shabbos is unique in all the other prohibitions. Milachas machsheves asrator. That what is considered to be labor with regards to the laws of Shabbos, it has to be constructive labor. It has to be purposeful labor. It has to be intentional labor. It's unique in this way. What is the work that can build a Beis HaMikdash? What is Melacha that has spiritual eternity? It is that which you do intentionally for the right reason. That's the Vi'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'socham, as David was mentioning earlier, is that it's through the work, through the work, through the dedication and the effort that we expend on building for Hashem a spiritual enclave in this world, that we are now able to open up and create a dira betachtonim, a place for God to reside amongst us, reside in us, that now God could live and reside in the hearts of the Jewish people. When the Rambam writes, what are the core, the central essence of the Beis HaMikdash, it's not to have a temple, it's not to have a museum, it's not to have a theological status symbol. It's the Karbanos and, and, and it's the Aliyah Laregel. The Karbanos represent divine service, divine worship, Aliyah Laregel represents the festivity and the joy and the experience of being a Jew. These are the two aspects that are central into the essence of the Beis Hamikdash, that it has to contain. And the purpose of the temple, the purpose of the Yasuli Mikdash is not to create a monument, but to create a space, a relationship, and a connection with Hashem that encompasses the two central elements of faith. One, worship, to relationship.
And the Rambam says that if you don't build a Beis HaMikdash with that intention, if your Melechas Machshavas, if your intentional work that you're building and you're, what you're trying to create with a Beis HaMikdash is not for that intention, is not for the goal of the Karbanos and the, and the Yomim Tovim, then your beautiful golden Aaron, your beautiful golden menorah is useless. Why does Hashem command the Mishnah, the, the Mizbeach, as a separate thing, first starting with earth, then with stone, and only in the Beis HaMikdash with copper? Because the Beis HaMikdash, the Mizbeach, which represents service to God, does not require a golden temple on a mountain. It could start from earth, from the lowest part. Then you can use that to ascend to stone. And you can use that to eventually make your service so special that it has a central place in the Beis HaMikdash. But the goal behind the construction of the Beis HaMikdash always has to be focused on the relationship and not simply as a symbol. There's a Medrash in Eicha. The Medrash in Eicha writes that it says that when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the shards of the Beis HaMikdash, the rocks of the Beis HaMikdash, scattered throughout the entire world. And wherever they landed, eventually a shul, a Beis HaKnesses, was built. So some poor native people who were living in Stony Brook, there was a very uh, interesting moment when a shard, a fiery shard, flew from the Beis HaMikdash and landed in Stony Brook. And over here there was a Beis HaMikdash that was built, there is a Mishkan here that was built and it moves from place to place. But the central idea, the central power of what we have over here mirrors and is a piece of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore for us as well, when we think about the essence of our shul and when we think about what our shul stands for, it has to encompass these two things, the Mizbeach and the, and the Aliyah Laregel that we are a space where people can develop a relationship with God, can worship and rejoice with God. This coming week, we're going to have Purim, which is supposed to be the most joyous day on the Jewish calendar. However, for us, it is also the anniversary of when we closed down. Purim was our last event together, our last regular normal event was Purim. So while it's going to be a happy day, it's also going to be, at least for me personally, a slightly difficult day, because although things seem to be getting better, normalcy is returning to some extent, but it is still, we still don't know how long we have to go. But what kind of gives me comfort is that no matter what happened and no matter what COVID did to us and to our world, we continued in being able to over the past year to asuli middash v'shachanti b'socham through tremendous effort on the part of everybody in our shul, whether it was building tents, whether it was walking for hours in the heat, whether it was coming to online classes, whether it was helping and participating in online events or whatever it was, the building of the Beis HaMikdash continued throughout this entire year.
and that's something which is no small feat and something which makes me incredibly grateful to be part of this community. I hope and I wish that this Purim should mark the tail end of this dislocation and this change that has been wrought over us over the past year and that hopefully, maybe even by Lagba Omer, we could again celebrate together as a community. Have a have a uh, good luck.